You've stopped by episode 37 and today we're talking about mitochondria. Yes, these are cellular organelles. You might not know what they mean, but I'm going to tell you right here today. Good afternoon, my name is Dr. Cameron Jones and welcome to this week's edition of The Mold Show. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit late. The last couple of days I've been participating in a legal matter with an overseas client with regard to mold exposure. In any case, my schedule for preparation of these weekly shows has been somewhat delayed and Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about mitochondria and mold, what you need to do, what what you need to know, I should say, and to some extent, what you need to do if you want to protect yourself from mold and also understand some of the reasons why your body might be showing an immune inflammation or an oxidative stress reaction. And My decision to focus today on mitochondria is really due to the fact that in the last couple of days on the 21st and the 24th of February, some really fascinating papers have been released into the peer-reviewed literature. And I want to base this week's show all around some of this emerging research because a lot of you also are probably aware that mitochondria comes up in the lay literature and all over online. And it is being increasingly linked with a range of um, toxins in a way uh, and, and talking about how the cell and the cells in your body cope with these exogenous threats to our safety. And so what I'm going to be covering today is in part one of this is pretty much a helicopter view of what are mitochondria. What does this term mitochondrial dysfunction actually mean? Is there a connection between the mitochondria and people's experience or exposure history to mold and water damage? And a very interesting publication that also came out this week that uh, I have the full paper and it's talking about the impact that some well-known mycotoxins, one called ocrotoxin A, which is commonly found in water-damaged buildings, what its impact is on the reproductive capacity of a rodent model and therefore uh, what the potential impact is at the cellular level. And we'll also be doing our regular show sequence or something that we're doing certainly in 2020 where I'm going to be cherry picking from some of the microbiology and mycology news that impacts on our understanding of this very important domain of science and I'll cover that at the end so stick around till then. In any case I want to move quickly into as I said a helicopter overview of what are mitochondria. Well In our cells, there are these things called organelles, which are very small uh, um, objects, 
And these organelles or objects are one of the components that contribute to the cell being able to carry out its natural function. And in many cases, the natural aim of a cell is obviously to continue living and reproduce. And one of the types of organelles found in eukaryotic microorganisms and also eukaryotes like ourselves are these things called mitochondria. And they are the powerhouse of the cell in the fact that they produce the ATP, which powers the cell cycle. And essentially, they enable the cell to respire. So they're intimately linked with respiration and the use of oxygen. And so up on the slide in front of you, we have a schematic of one of the organelles with the individual components of the organelle. And then the micrograph on the left-hand side shows these organelles, the mitochondria in red. In any case, as I said in part one, this is just going to be an overview uh, to introduce you to this fascinating topic of mitochondria and how they're linked with uh, mold. This first paper I want to highlight is also free on PubMed. So you can go to the URL that I've linked at the bottom of this slide and you can download it yourself. And essentially this publication is talking about something fundamental called mitochondrial dysfunction because this is increasingly being talked about with regard to why people are particularly susceptible to mold in their environment and why this leads to a cascade of events at the cellular level which is then experienced as an adverse health response. So in our bodies and in our cells, every one of our cells, there are mitochondria, these organelles. And they are responsible, as I said, for maintaining cellular energy. And there's this concept of homeostasis, which is the normal functioning of our body and of our cells. And so the aim of the human body is to maintain a level of equilibrium or homeostasis. And when anything from outside the cell impacts on the inside of the cell, this can impact on one or more of the organelle systems at the cell level. And when the fusion and fission process, which is the um, mechanism of DNA replication to allow the cell to grow and exchange and, and function, when this impacts on mitochondria, it's termed a dysfunction. And so mitochondrial dysfunction is a catch-all term, meaning that the mitochondria just don't do what they're supposed to do and they don't respire as efficiently or effectively as they were designed to do. There's this other connected concept called oxidative damage as well. And mitochondria also produce something called reactive oxygen species, and it's their antioxidant system. So consider this as their own uh, ability to, for example, use vitamin C as an antioxidant. So unfortunately, when a cell is dealing with an exogenous toxin, like a mold toxin or some other toxin, there is this uh, propensity for the cell to be disrupted and for a buildup of reactive oxygen at the cellular level to cause an inflammatory response as well as oxidative damage. And think of oxidative damage 
very much like hydrogen peroxide um, uh, bleaching something or causing an oxidation reaction. And we'll get into this in the next couple of weeks as we delve more deeply into mitochondrial dysfunction and the role of mitochondria in our bodies. In any case, there have been a, a range of different diseases or adverse health uh, out, uh, problems which are linked to mitochondrial dysfunction, and they include type 2 diabetes, hardening of the arteries, um, neurodegenerative conditions like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's disease, and of course, cardiomyopathy problems and cardiac uh, impacts and impacts on um, our kidneys as well. In any case, this publication, which is free on PubMed, goes into some detail about this concept of mitochondrial dysfunction. I've just provided some uh, highlights from this particular publication. I'd urge you to go to PubMed and uh, download this paper yourself and read it. In any case, another wonderful publication has come out this week as well. And this has been focusing on something called mitochondrial antibodies. And to give you, again, a very um, high-level overview of this concept of what an antibody is, in our immune response system, a cell will mount a challenge to an introduced toxin based upon this antigen-antibody lock-in key hypothesis. And think of triggers for the immune system, like the number of mold spores in the air. And this paper that came out on February 21 uh, in the literature by Alan Lieberman and Luke Curtis, they're talking about when airborne mold levels above 100 to 1,000 spores per cubic meter are sufficient to cause a wide range of human health problems. Now, when an antibody to mitochondria challenge uh, eventuates, this means that there is an immune response to the organelle. Now, this is not good because in the same way that an antibody would be raised to a foreign invader like a bacterium attempting to cause an infection, if an antibody response is raised to one of your own organelles, essentially you are getting self-harm at the cellular level. And this paper is going into some good biochemical detail about what the enzyme is or the protein that the antibody is being raised to. And it's something called pyruvate carboxylase. And this is known as a major site of antigenicity for something called these mitochondrial antibodies. And this particular paper has examined the connection or the correlation between the anti-mitochondrial antibodies and individuals who have known exposures to mold, mycotoxins, and other toxins in their local environment. And what the scientists did was that the participants in this study received blood tests that mapped out their autoimmune, metabolic, hormonal, and nutritional parameters, as well as testing for their anti-mitochondrial antibodies. And the conclusion that they reached was that high levels of anti-mitochondrial antibodies were all associated with patient exposure to mold and moisture and that the correlation appears to be significant. So the exposure to the water damage and the mold is obviously able to cause adverse health via 
direct infection via an allergy response to the particulate due to a toxic response to the mycotoxin and that this works at the level of the organelles or inside your cells by damaging your mitochondria. And that then leads to this oxidative stress and also an inflammation reaction. Like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. And remember, this podcast is actually part of a live stream that I do every week on Thursdays. So check it out on Facebook or on YouTube. Now back to the show. I now want to move on to some other research that also came out. And this came out at the tail end of 2019 in November. And this is a fascinating paper looking at the impact of um, a a well-known mycotoxin called ochratoxin A, which is a fungal mycotoxin, and how this impacts on the reproductive cycle. Yes, this study is done in mice, but the important takeaways from this study are, and what the scientists again were looking at, is how does this mycotoxin, the ochratoxin, impact on the reproductive cycle of these mice? So they looked at something called oocytes, which are the immature egg cells. And these are the cells that are small enough to haven't even descended through the fallopian tube yet to become an ovum. So they're the very small uh, uh, eggs, for want of a better word. And so when female mice were treated with ochratoxin over a period of seven days, they determined that it weakened the quality of the oocyte or the immature egg cell, and it impaired its ability to mature. Or another way to put it is it messed around with its ability to grow as expected. Similar to the problems that we see with the mitochondria and these enzymes being raised or the Uh, antibodies against the mitochondria. And what they discovered was that when female mice were treated with ochratoxin, they displayed something called an ovarian dysfunction. And this led to measurable decreases in the number of offspring that these mice were able to um, deliver. And so the conclusions to the paper were that ochratoxin causes oxidative stress leading to oocyte death. And the takeaway conclusion from the paper was that ochratoxin definitely impairs and reduces fertility by a combination of oxidative stress and external modifications to the DNA. And I will be talking further about this concept of oxidative stress, immune dysregulation and mitochondria in coming weeks. Now, as usual, I want to cover the breaking news for this week. Okay, and the first paper that I want to highlight is again a very interesting study that has just come out on something called curcumin. Now, curcumin is a health food, which is certainly sold as a supplement. And curcumin has 
is a potent antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal ability. And there's a whole range of publications in the peer-reviewed literature demonstrating these really important properties of this particular spice. Now, this publication, again, I've put the URL up at the bottom and it'll be in the show notes. These scientists were looking and did a very interesting experiment. They got two commercially available curcumin formulations, one from a uh, company under the uh, trade name of Vitamin Shop and one under the trade name of GNC. And I've, I've put up some diagrams of the, their bottles. And what the scientists did is that they, that they, that they got a group of uh, uh, test uh, subjects, in this case, rats. And what they did is they wanted to test how curcumin would impact on the uh, uh, gene expression of something very important, a particular antioxidant at the genetic level. And so some of the groups of rats were fed the uh, curcumin from the two high street vitamin store options, and some of the rats were hooked up to an IV, and some of the rats also received a pure formulation of curcumin from Sigma, which is a, a well-known uh, chemical supply house that supplies scientists and medical researchers worldwide with reagents of different purity. So the Sigma product can be considered the most pure, and the high street formulation found in the health food supplements is probably not as pure as the Sigma formulation. But what these scientists were looking at, because curcumin acts and is limited by its what's called bioavailability. And so what their conclusion from this study was is that even very low bioavailability percentages of the whole food natural vitamin was still capable of switching on these antioxidant genes. And so therefore, it means that there does not seem to be a dose-dependent regulation of the concentration of curcumin to be able to activate or switch on these antioxidant genes. And for anyone who is interested in proactive health and whether or not you can take supplements to improve your own uh, well-being, Studies like this on curcumin in rats is certainly demonstrating that there is some strong efficacy, at least in switching on positive antioxidant gene act activity and expressing these genes with the supplements that you can purchase yourself. The next paper, again, has a wonderful, wonderful title, Stress and Psychiatric Disorders, The Role of Mitochondria. And again, this links me back to the foundational topic of today and for the next couple of weeks about mitochondria. And what these authors are showing in this paper, which I have a copy of this, it is going into its final form later in May 2020, and I'm going to be talking a lot about this paper, is that these authors are uh, uh, positioning um, in, with strong language that stress causes mitochondrial changes and that in a sense mitochondria are the organelles or the sites which provide um, a response to adversity at the biological level and they refer to this as a biological embedding of adversity. In any case 
I think that this is just a fascinating publication and it is one more example of the relationship between um, how we feel and our mood and our uh, potential anxiety response and how this is all linked uh, at obviously the cellular level and how external triggers can modulate our um, neurocognitive and also our emotional well-being. The final news item that I want to talk about again comes from a fascinating paper that was looking at a respiratory response to mold exposure. And this is an excellent study which uh, studied individuals in Finland and they were particularly looking at people who had something called asthma COPD overlap syndrome. So that is an asthma response with an underlying respiratory uh, 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 obstructive disorder. And so they were able to find 520 participants who were diagnosed with asthma COPD overlap symptom. And they were also able to find 932 individuals with none of these symptoms and for which they were the control. And what they did is that they were looking at common exposure indicators to water damage and mold. And these include, have you had water damage? Do you see damp stains? Is there paint peeling at the property? Is there visible mold? Is there mold odor? And these two groups of people were polled about their experience of mold and water damage at the home and also at their workplace. And the very, very important news is that the risk of asthma COPD was significantly linked to mold odor in the workplace and that the risk of asthma COPD was not related to mold exposure at home. Why this is important is that so often the academic literature is focusing on the home environment as the trigger for people's mold exposure. And this study is showing that, in fact, the workplace could be a very underestimated triggering location for those who have mold problems. In any case, that is the news that I'm bringing you this week. I think that there were that's just a handful of the articles which impact on our understanding of mold and water damage exposure. I'm not covering the COVID-19 crisis this week because I think that that is playing out in the academic and news uh, uh, media. And so therefore I'm back to focusing pretty much exclusively on mold. Uh, in any case, I wish you well. Uh, I hope you have a great week. Next week, we'll be continuing on um, with our investigation of the tremendously important uh, field of mitochondrial research, mitochondrial dysfunction. We'll be moving on to glutathione as well. In any case, my name's been Dr. Cameron Jones. I'm an environmental microbiologist. Have a great week and I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Now, don't forget to go to Apple and leave us a review. You've been listening to The Mold Show and all of the video versions of the podcasts are up on drcameronjones.tv. Thanks for listening. See you next week.